Welcome to Rush Hockey Talk, brought to you by Rush Hockey, trusted guidance, unrivaled success. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Katorji, and this is our podcast series. This is definitely the place to be if you want to learn how to pave your way in the world of youth hockey. So get ready, because you're going to hear some amazing interviews with premier personalities, coaches, scouts, players, celebrities. We got them all. Rush Hockey for over 25 years, experts in evaluation, over 10,000 alumni. It's unmatched. It's Rush Hockey Talk, and it's here. Welcome, everyone, to another one of our Rush Hockey Talk podcasts. And we have another pretty impressive interviewee today, Richard Reichenbach, head coach, University of Maine Women's Hockey Program, New England Coach of the Year, brought the University of Maine to its first top 10 finish last year, actually which was quite an impressive feat in itself. Ricky, thanks so much for coming on our show. Just uh, before we get into it, though, I've known you for a long time. I used to run an event called Prospects. Did you play in that? I'm pretty sure you did. Yes, I, uh, when I'm originally from Syracuse, New York, and uh, grew up playing for the Syracuse Stars. And um, I believe after my second year Bantam, we were, we were in the Prospects tournament that you, you ran. That's pretty awesome. I think Josh, Josh Pyro with me today, as usual. Josh, did you cross paths with, with Ricky during your playing days? Yes, we did. Uh, Ricky, I think we actually played against each other in university. Uh, you were at Hamilton, I believe, uh, and I played against you when I was with Elmira. And then uh, we crossed paths again uh, playing professional, too, with you in, in Richmond and when I was in Fayetteville. Yeah, lots of lots of endless amounts of stories come out of the Southern Professional Hockey League that I'm sure we could share for hours. Yeah, we could maybe do that on another podcast. <laughs> Rick, we we talk a lot about scouting and recruiting. You're a young coach. You've actually done a heck of a job over the past couple of years, and I know in our conversations, you you tend to deal with a lot of things that young coaches deal with what have been your biggest challenges just as a coach in general yeah no I mean I think um, you know as a young coach obviously you want to be progressive and do things that the players will enjoy and and um, you know will buy into Um, but obviously you know being a little bit older than the players you're also used to um, you know more of a a culture or, or just where the players tended to listen to the coaches a little bit more and believe what they set off right off the bat. So, you know, from a player standpoint, we're just trying to find that balance of, of getting players to, to enjoy working hard and, and following what the coach is saying and believing in what they're saying and, um, you know, creating a fun environment. And I think it's tricky with a lot of what we're doing just because of the culture of youth hockey um, you know, in the Toronto area specifically, there's obviously a ton of girls hockey and boys hockey and uh, lots of competition for those players. So uh, convincing them and, and getting them to buy into a team first mentality and doing what's best for the team instead of what they perceive uh, is best for them is, is definitely the biggest challenge as a young coach. And, um, you know, there's we sit down with a lot of recruits and you know, one of the questions that we're always asking them is, is what they think of their coaches, what they like about their coaches, what they don't like about their coaches. And, uh, you know, there's just a, a, a kind of a, an attitude or mentality that 
you know, the coaches are generally wrong and that they're generally not listened to. And I think that, you know, spawns from a lot of recruiting off other teams and parents kind of micromanaging their, their, you know, their kids' careers. And that's definitely by far the biggest thing that we're just constantly battling with every day in the recruiting world and, and just teaching them day-to-day in practice. You commented on something really important because we deal with this every day in our office. Parents will call us nonstop, Kelly, Josh, and Axton. What do we do? Axton's one of our assistants in the office. What do we do? Where do we play? We're being told we must do this. We're being told we must do that. And it literally confuses the daylights out of parents. So what would you say to a parent when they're so concerned about a lot of this? And to be quite frank, a lot of what they're sold is pure myth. What's your what's your attitude about how parents should behave, how they should make choices when it comes to recruiting in youth hockey? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's definitely good to talk to people and get advice. I think where people get uh, into the biggest tr- trouble is when they just focus on listening to one youth hockey coach, one uh, advisor, one, you know, friend who has a kid who played uh, and they don't get perspective. I think common sense is is a huge aspect that sometimes if you're just taking a look from the outside into what's going on, um, it, it wouldn't make sense. And I think all these conversations and everything that's happening and the decisions are, are being made in season. Uh, you know, when me and Josh played, which, you know, we're in our 30s, we're not that old, you know, all this happened usually after the season and uh, before tryouts the next season. You know, now players are being told they're not going to be invited back on the team in the middle of the season in November, December, or they're they're picking their team, which is in the same league that they're going to play for the next year uh, in November or December. So, you know, as a an educator and a coach, and you're trying to teach life lessons and prepare people for life, uh, you know, how are you going to be a part of a functioning group that's going to have success when you know, 75% of the team is playing for a different team or or already told they're not going to be on that team. So uh, I think, you know, focusing on your your kids' development is is focusing on their development as far as what they're doing on the ice, what they're doing off the ice, their nutrition, their sleep habits, their water. Um, you know, I think that's development, whereas I think a lot of parents get caught up with well, if we play for Team X, then we're going to be able to get a Division One scholarship, and we play for Team this, that, then that won't happen. And that's not that's that's it doesn't matter if the product that you're you're showing off or your kid isn't developing. That it doesn't matter what team you play for. So just you know, using a, a wide array of sources, I think, is is super important. And then you know, focusing on the actual development, not you know, what team they're going to play for. That's that's not going to be the key for their kid to move forward in their hockey career. Ricky, what's, uh, you know, what's your coaching philosophy or what's something that you're telling these these young prospects uh, to kind of set you apart from, from the rest and why would someone want to go to Maine? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, we have a very unique situation in Maine because uh, I coach the team with my wife, so – uh, I think we're really fortunate. To, I think a lot of teams preach family atmosphere and support, um, but that's something that, you know, you're actually part of me and Sarah's family, and we have two kids with another one on the way. Um, so the the first thing we, we usually talk about is just the type of environment, the daily interactions that we're going to have with them. Um, you know, 
if you're going to come to Maine, we want to be involved in their lives. We want to know what's going on. We want to, you know, it's not just going to be hockey conversations. Um, these are people and players that we've dedicated, you know, four plus years of our lives to in the recruiting process, getting to know their families. Um, and then I think from there, <clears throat> we're going to push them in, in a lot of different ways to be a better person, which ultimately helps them um, be a better hockey player. And we're going to really focus on accountability. And um, I think the combination of all those things kind of create a pretty special environment for our team. And we're very fortunate because we probably have the most diverse team uh, in, in women's hockey. We have players from uh, depending on the year, seven or eight different countries from Europe, North America, all over the U.S., all over Canada. Um, so they're going to get a very diverse experience with that family support. Well, congratulations on on the baby coming. Thank you. Um, and yeah, so just talk to us a little bit about uh, the scholarship process from when you're you know out on the road, when you track a player, when you start the recruiting process, all the way to when you know it comes down comes time to sit down with the family and and make them an offer. Yeah, so um, the, what the scholarship consists of, um, you know, it's there's a, a different ways that you can and offer a scholarship. Uh, there's full scholarships, which usually means it covers uh, room, board, tuition, um, and then some expenses, depending on the school, can add to it, like books and um, certain different things for things to pay for classes and stuff. It's a little bit different for each school. Um, so that's a full scholarship and that covers all four years. Uh, and then universities can also break it down in percentages. So you could be offered, you know, 25% each year for four years. Uh, and then you can be offered uh, what's called like a one for four or two for four or three for four, which is uh, in specific years, you're offered a full scholarship and then those other years you wouldn't. So if you were offered a two for four, Maybe your freshman and sophomore year would be covered fully, and then your junior and senior year, you would have to pay for your own. Um, the scholarship, nothing is official uh, when a school offers you a scholarship and you accept that offer to play for them until, you're, until you sign your national letter of intent, um, which happens in November of your grade 12 year um, is the first time you can sign it. Uh, and then a scholarship can be awarded for different years if you're offered a full scholarship. Uh, depending on how the contract is written, uh, it's important to see is it is it renewed every year or is it guaranteed for four years? Uh, your scholarship is guaranteed and can't be taken away um, for athletic reasons. For example, if you get hurt or or something, it can be taken away for disciplinary reasons. But a coach can always cut you. And most hockey players, if they're playing at the university level, they're pretty serious. Uh, and if you're cut, you're usually not going to just stick around because, um, you know, you're on a scholarship. So that's that's kind of something to think about, too, as well. So in 2019, we're now January 2019, Ricky, and coming across our phones nonstop, there's so much uncertainty as to how things may change over the next couple years. What I mean is rules, how collegiate coaches can interact with parents, players, younger recruiting, younger scouting. What do you think? I'm not sure if you know for sure, because I don't think anybody seems to know, but where do you see this heading right now with respect to this phenomenon of younger recruiting? I mean, I believe that 
as of January 2019, there may be a great seven out there who is committed to a school. Yeah, there might be a few. Yeah. Um, well, the biggest thing, this is, I've been at Maine for nine years. The biggest thing by far that has changed is is everyone has gone to early recruiting, and that's recruiting seventh, eighth, ninth graders. Um, the big change that seems to be on the horizon, whether it's in three months or a year, is they're going to, the way that you talk to younger players is you kind of go around the NCAA rules. Um, I would contact their youth hockey coach and tell them to tell the player to give me a call. Um, and then I would establish communication that way. I would not contact them directly because that's illegal through the NCA rules. All right, so that's a, a kind of a three-way triangle that kind of avoids the NCA rules. What they're looking to do um, is is just eliminate all recruiting conversations uh, with recruits before grade 11. Um, so that would completely change the way that recruiting has developed in the last three or four years. Uh, to be able to get those kids to visit at a younger age, to be able to get them to commit. Uh, the big step they took last spring was I used to be able to talk to players in grade 9 or 10 on campus if they visited. If they visit now, I can't I can't have any conversations with them or meet with them. Um, so that has slowed down early recruiting a little bit, but uh, players have still gone on to campuses, done the normal admissions, contacted the coach after, uh, been offered on the phone and accepted. So if they eliminate all those conversations about recruiting before grade 11, that would that would vastly change kind of the layout of, of how scholarships were offered and, and accepted moving forward. Ricky, well, I know you got to get going here shortly, so uh, we can wrap it up now. Just really want to thank you for your time. Uh, great insight. Uh, it was my pleasure talking with you, and uh, we'll talk to you again here soon. Great. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Take care, Ricky. Thanks for your help. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Rush Hockey Talk, the place to be to get informed about youth hockey. Rush Hockey Talk, trusted guidance, unrivaled success.